Choi. I'm one of the intern pastors in New Philly. Uh, yeah, it was good, right? The soaking time was so good, right? I was really glad to see you guys here. And then I want to share what I just, uh, yeah, I was like crying mad hard. And I just want to share why I was crying and how God ministered to me just now. Uh, two weeks ago, I went to Philippines, a Philippines mission trip. And then while I was in Philippines, there was one incident that God really just broke me down, like in a good way. And I just want to share that moment. And then just I was just reminded of that moment because uh, as we were singing, as we were praising God, I never recasted songs to John. I never did it. But then the songs that we were like singing, two of those songs, one, Beautiful Jesus, and I don't know the title, but I love you, I love you, all of my hope is in you. That song, those two songs were stuck in my head for the whole week. And I don't even know those songs that well. I don't even know the lyrics, lyrics, but when I heard it, when I just heard it tonight, I just knew that, wow, God really knows me in detail. He knows what kind of song that I'm singing to him. He's listening to it. And even though I don't know the lyrics, he doesn't matter. It, he doesn't care. It doesn't matter to him. And just the songs that I sing to him, it matters to him. And it's my whispers and my, my, my songs to him, it all matters to him. And it just really blessed me. God knows me so well. He just knows me so well. Yeah, he's just, he's really awesome. And one thing from the Philippines trip, it could sound a little silly or childish, but there was one night that I was just really, really, really heartbroken. Um, very, very frustrated, and I just wanted to cry. And I grabbed my sister Lydia, Only I Need You. And then we went outside. It was a beautiful night. There were stars all over the sky. And just we were just sitting on the grass. And I was just sobbing. Like literally sobbing. And Lydia only started praying for me. And out of frustration, I just, just spit out these words to God. God, if you know my heart, can you show me a shooting star? That was like cry of my heart at that moment. Do you know my heart? Do you know what I'm going through right at this moment, God? Am I suffering through this by myself? Do you really know my heart? What's going on now? I'm really lost, God. And I just said, God, if you know my heart, can you just show me a shooting star? And I opened my eyes. After a second, it was not even a second, I saw the shooting star, the, the, the most bright one in my life ever. And when I saw that, I just, oh! <laughs> I was like, yeah, holy mess. And I just knew that that was God. God heard me, and he was with me. He knew my heart. You know, I'm listening. I'm here. I know you so well. So, yeah, cry out to me. That's what I learned. And then, yeah, as we were singing those two songs, I was just reminded of that moment. Wow, God really, really is here, so close to our heart. He's like right here. I can like sense his heartbeat. It could be mine because I'm a little nervous, but yeah, I could really sense his heartbeat. That's how I feel right now. And I'll be honest, I'm not, yeah, 100% prepared. I really 
they're unready to preach, but it's okay because our God is so close in my heart right now. So I will just speak, yeah, with the presence. Um, yes. Let me say a prayer before we begin. Okay, let's bow our heads. God, I'm just so thankful that you are right here in this room and by our hearts, just right there. We can sense your soul strongly. We can sense your love, your peace, your grace, God, just streaming into our hearts, oh, Father. Father God, you are so good. Thank you for being our daddy. Thank you for being our father and such a great shepherd. How can we love you more, God? Teach us. How can we love you more, Lord? Father God, I just pray tonight, as I speak your words, oh Father, I pray that your spirit will come and just take over my mouth. And look at every single word that I say, God, let it be led by you. And Lord, as your people listen to this message, as your people just get convictions from you, as your people open their hearts to your words, oh Father God, Lord, let all the things that we do in this room be the sweet worship to you, God. Father, that is our prayer. All we need is you right now. All we want and desire is you right now. You are all we want. So, Father, come and be with us at this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. For this passage, I'm going to use ESV translation. And other verses that I will quote, I'm going to use NIV. So let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. 18 to 22. This is the account of Jesus uh, calling his first disciples. Jesus was about 30 years old, and he just got baptized uh, by John the Baptist at the Jordan River. And he went into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Yikes. And he got tempted by the devil in the desert. And this is right after. So you can tell that this is just the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And then he just left his hometown, Nazareth. And then he's in a new town, Capernaum. I don't know how to pronounce this. Capernaum, near the Sea of Galilee. This is wow, where it's happening. And let's read it together in one voice. One, two, three. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Okay, the first three verses are about Jesus calling Simon, named Peter, and Andrew. And the rest of the verses are about, the, about other brothers, 
James and John, right? Okay. If you read on, um, the, the gospel accounts tell you that Simon Peter and James and John, the three of them were directly discipled by Jesus himself. We sometimes refer to these three men as the inner circle of the 12 disciples of Jesus. So they were very uh, important men, important disciples to Jesus. And so this is a moment that Jesus actually calls them at, like, like, for the first time. And then, yeah, so I think this is an important moment for Jesus' ministry because he didn't do anything by himself. So we're going to unpackage these two stories at the same time in parallel, okay? The brothers, two brothers, okay? Okay, Okay. let's look at 4.18. I'm going to read it again. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. 4.21. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, uh, and, and, and John, his brother, in the boat, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. Hmm. They are fishermen, right? And last week, God, I felt like God kept on telling us that He uses ordinary people. That was like the theme of last week. Did you guys feel that? God uses ordinary people to do something extraordinary. That was like a theme of last week. And then mine is just to reaffirm that. I'm going to just repeat the message because that's what I feel like God is speaking to me right now. And yeah, Jesus saw these four men, these four fishermen at the Sea of Galilee. And if you know anything about me, I'm from a city called Busan. It's a poor city, and I grew up near the seashore for the 20 years of my life. So, like, sea was right there. And then I can testify the fishermen is such a common job near the beach. It's really common. Like, I had several of my dad's friends who were actually fishers. So I, call, I used to call them 배타는 아저씨, like, which literally means to go on the ship to catch the fishes. I don't know. I call them, but I dress them 배타는 아저씨. And I remember those memories. So think about it. 2,000 years ago, just by using common sense, we can just guess that if you leave by the sea, you catch fish. That's all you do, right? Many, many, many fishermen. It's all over the city. And in Jesus' time, there was a thriving fishing industry, actually, in that area. The Sea of Galilee, everyone was kept, like, catching fishes. So everyone's fishing, then you are fishing too. Your friends are fishing, your neighbors are fishing, you're fishing. And just like other jobs back then, it was the family business. It was the family business, right? If you are born to a fisherman family, you become a fisherman too. Fisherman father, fisherman son. That's how it works. You are fisherman. It's such an ordinary job. Everyone's fisherman. And they all smell the same. I remember the same. I remember the smell. They smell the same. They smell like fish. And they work the same work. They do the same thing. And then they have the same skill. Nothing different. Just so ordinary. Right? However, when Jesus looked at them, it was a little different. They were not like random four fishermen that he met randomly on that day. It wasn't like that. He knows you, every detail, everything about you very well. 
And he sees the things that we cannot see. We did the Strength Finder seminar with our brother Joe O. And then we were glad that we figured out the strength about us, strength about ourselves. But then I felt like God is like, I, I know them all. I know what you are good at. I know what you are bad at. All those Strength Finders, I know them all way better in more and more details. I just feel like, yeah, God knows us better than that the fight Finder, better than the Gallup. Right? So God knows us better than Caleb. That's how I felt. And just he picked the four fishermen out of just many, 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 many all around the city. And they look all ordinary. They look the same. They look all similar. But when God sees them, you are you. You are just you. You are not one of the fishers. You are just you. I don't know if you're getting this, but you are different. In his eyes, even though you guys all look like a crowd right now, even in my eyes right now, when God sees this crowd, you are you. You are you. I'm just repeating what Paul Miller spoke about, right? I'm just repeating it. But you are you in God's eyes. You are not one of many. You are not one of many members of New Philly. You are you. You are special. God uses ordinary people. You're right. We are ordinary in a sense. But when God sees you, he sees something special. He sees something different. He sees something else. Because he is your God. He is our God. But when you are talking to him, when his eyes are on you, he's your God. He's your God. And let me... Okay, I made this up, but let me read you 2010 soul version of that verse. Hope somebody gets it and laugh, okay? Oh my gosh. While walking by the hagons of Seoul, Jesus saw two teachers. Lucian, who is called Roy, and Brady, his brother, teaching grammar to the students, for they were English teachers. Thank you for laughing, Lisa. <laughs> and how many English teachers do we have right now in this room? Raise your hands. If you are an English teacher or you are teaching something in English, raise your hands. See, it's like majority, like more than half. Yay, English teachers. <laughs> do you sometimes feel like you are just one of many, 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 many English teachers in Seoul? Just ordinary. But I believe... English teachers are called for more. I feel like not that teaching, not that teaching English is bad, but I majored in English education, so I cannot say that. But if you feel like you are just doing it for the sake of doing it, or with no sense of calling, if you feel like you're just stuck there, you have nothing to do, nothing else to do, and if you're feeling like that, I just feel like God is calling you for greater things. Something more, something greater, and something more special for you. Because you are not ordinary Hagwon teacher in his eyes, but yeah, you're more than that. You're special because you are you. And he didn't choose you randomly. He chose you as you. So when he addresses you, you, it's actually really you. Do you understand? <laughs> you. <laughs> 
this week, uh, I attended a conference uh, held by Onnuri Church. It was a big conference, and the main speaker was Jim Simbala from New York City. He's the leader, pa- lead pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York City. He's the author of Fresh Wind and Fresh Fire and new book Fresh Power. Yeah. It was just a... Uh, it was just so amazing. I was blown away. Whenever he preached, I just felt like crying because God's presence was so thick. And just, he preached even without sermon notes. I don't know how he does it, but sermon was so perfect, so perfectly organized. felt like every sentence was so meaningful, so powerful. I don't know how he does it. But then the surprising thing was, one day he began his message by saying, like, how terrible speaker he was how a terrible preacher he was and i was like what kidding me <laughs> you're lying you know you're jim simbala you know what are you talking about how can you be a terrible preacher you know and i was like no way <laughs> but then it was it's, I, I guess it seems like it's true it's his testimony you know and god knew that he could use an ordinary gym symbol. He used to be a basketball coach. He doesn't have any theological education, whatever. He doesn't have it. But God knew that he could use that ordinary basketball coach gym symbol to do extraordinary kingdom work. So God called him. And then that's a crazy testimony. And Jesus' disciples were all like that. Tax collector, mm, fresh, uh, not freshman, fisherman. And Jesus himself, what was he? He was a carpenter, you know? Every little village has a carpenter. It was nothing extraordinary. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 and 27. This is NIV. I'll read it for you. It says, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Amen. How powerful, how hopeful, you know, how relieving it is, you know. It's really amazing. And I'm going to talk about the calling of Jesus. God, Jesus met them, Jesus saw them, and then he calls them. So 419, it says, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 421, the later part, it says, and he called them, right? So Jesus calls them. And he says, follow me. And I think I was meditating on it. Follow me. Follow me. And I think the way he said it is very significant. I like analyzing things, like, in deeper level. So let me break this down, okay? Okay. Follow me is different than, hey, anyone out there? Can you, does anyone want to follow me? Come on, any of you, follow me. It's different than that. What I mean by that is, when he said, follow me, he wasn't addressing it to the crowd. He wasn't recruiting a bunch of voluntary workers. It's not that. He was scouting you. He was scouting you, the one person. You are called, you are chosen personally, you are not recruited like that. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? Should I? Uh, and he wasn't calling anyone random, anyone in the crowd, anyone. 
but it was actually one person decided, chosen, and picked. So some people think it doesn't matter who does it as long as the job gets done. That's how people think. But I think God cares about who does it. You know? So I want you to remember this. He's scouting you. When he says follow me, he's scouting you, not recruiting someone from a bunch of people. It's scouting you. You know? When he says follow me, the spot is just for you. It's made for you. It's your spot. Take it. Another example, follow me, when Jesus said it, it's different than, will you follow me? When he said follow me, notice that it's not a question form. Like, will you or would you? It's not. Jesus is saying, follow me. And it's a calling. It's a gentle command. He's not asking you to answer yes or no, but it's actually a firm command, follow me. Right? But don't take it wrong. The third example is this. When he says, follow me, it's different than, you better follow me. <laughs> it's different than, follow me, or, dot, dot, dot. You know, it's different. Don't take it wrong. When I say command, it's not like general command, but it's a firm yet gentle command from the shepherd. You know, shepherd to the sheep, follow me, you know. He's not threatening you. He's not intimidating you. He's not demanding, you know. He's not forcing you. He's not pushing you either. God never does it. His spirit never does it. He calls you and he leads you. Follow me. Another. If you follow me, dot, dot, dot. God doesn't speak like that. If you follow me and follow me, they're significantly different. We are so used to this kind of speaking because everyone in the world, if you do this, I will do it for you. It's all like that. But when he says, follow me, he's not trying to persuade you. He's not trying to convince you with the persuasive words. He's not suggesting conditions when you do it. He's not doing that. He's not like us. He's not like people. He doesn't try to explain it to you with logics, no. He doesn't use yeah words. He doesn't... He's not doing that. What? He simply says, follow me. Follow me. There's no if. And what was Jesus calling them for? Like, follow me. Jesus was calling them for something, right? And it was, what was it? The fishers of men. He was calling them, follow me so I can make you fishers men, right? Fishers of men. Let's think about this. So many people use this passage to preach about evangelism, and I think it's really great, but I'm going to yeah, look at it in a different angle. Now, we Christians, we always pray like this. God, use me. I do that too. God, use me. God, make me a fisher of men. Make me a fisher of men. And when I read it, uh, actually, I get jealous because if you think about those disciples of Jesus, I want to be a disciple of Jesus, you know? If I could go back to the time area, I want to be one of the disciples of Jesus. I want to see him doing miracles. I want to see him teaching directly to me. You know, sounds so great. I'm so jealous. I want to be one of the Jesus' disciples. But there were, there were, what? I'm sorry. Right. 
What was that thing? Yeah, I want to be one of Jesus' disciples. But then, but then, there are actually... Okay, let me think. Oh, yeah, but in their time, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> My mind blank. In their time, if you think about their position right now, it's actually not promotion. The people think, wow, catchers of, like, they're catching fishes, and then now they're going to catch people. Like, fishers of fish, fishers of men, it looks like promotion, you know. Wow, 좋겠다, I'm jealous, you know. That kind of reaction, but actually in their time, I think it's no. I think it's not. Because when, when those four men heard it, those, those fishers heard it, it could have been very strange. Like Jesus was a newbie to the town, first of all. He was a new guy. And he just began his ministry. Just began his ministry. So not everyone knows him that well. And like I said earlier, fishing was a thriving industry. So everyone was doing it. But then I don't think they heard of fishers of men before. Did they know anybody called fishers of men? It didn't exist. It's like something they don't know about. And then on top of that, the fishers, the four, four men, they were settled. They had their secure job. It was their family business, and they were secure, un, very, very stable, right? When Jesus said fisher of men, it's not that attractive to them because it was something unheard of. What is that? unexpected, it's even new, unspecified, and something that they're not just used to, you know? And then they didn't know anyone who was doing the same thing. What is this guy talking about? Fishers of men. We are experts in fishing, but fishers of men, hmm, you know? I don't think that was the best deal for those four men, you know? Now, I just want to challenge all of you with these thoughts. And I want to challenge myself too. God sometimes calls us to something similar. Something similar. So these guys, when Jesus said, Fisher of man, it's something new. It's going to bring changes. It's something that I'm not used to. That I never really wanted. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes God brings those changes to us too. Something that we never desired, we never heard about. We never thought ourselves being that. And I want to touch upon this, actually. Um, God calls us to something similar, I said, right? And something that you don't feel fitting. It's just uncomfortable and something that scares you. Being a leader at church, I will say, is something similar. Being a warrior for God is, I can think of, something that's similar. We always say, use me, use me. You want to be a leader, but if you really think about it, do we really want it? Like, do we really want it? A typical example. Like people always talk about this. Follow me. I will make you a missionary to Africa. And people get all scared, right? And that's like the typical example that I'm giving you. But I'm not talking about that. But it could happen to you. But <laughs> I'm talking about all these things. I'm going to just mention some of them. I, I was just jotting down some things. And people get scared when these things come to you. 
I want you to do scripture reading on this Sunday. Not everyone likes it. <laughs> I want you to start leading a small group instead of being a small group member. I want you to lead worship on Sunday. Brian's missing. Her. I want you to lead a missions team this time. Hug. I want you to lead prayer time at prayer meetings. Can you do it? Her. You know? You know? Do you feel it? I want you to evangelize to the girl sitting right next to you right now. Mm. I want you to direct the upcoming conference. Conference director. We're expecting 300 people. Do it. Her. <laughs> I want you to go plant a church. Oh, yeah. God bless you guys. <laughs> I want you to start prayer movement when you go back home in the most dry city. Mm. Wow. I want you to lead healing and deliverance session this coming Saturday. I want you to be a pastor. Like, I want you to preach. I want you to share a testimony right, on, right now on the stage. Like, things like that. Doesn't it make you nervous and uncomfortable? You kind of want it but, huh? Now, what is your response to that? And these four fishermen, they totally put me to shame. They immediately followed Jesus. <laughs> Bless you guys. And you guys, <laughs> these guys, yeah, they said immediately left everything and then they followed Jesus. And I was really challenged by this. Uh, you guys don't know. I was really challenged. Immediately, yes, Lord, I will follow you. And I always pray, as I said, use me, Lord, use me, Lord. But what do we, what do we mean by that? Like when I pray, use me, and God was this week challenging me so much, what do you mean by that? When God tries to use me, I say, oh, I'm not ready for that. I don't feel comfortable yet. I don't trust myself that much. So-and-so will be better for that job. I will think about it for another week. I'm not saying that you shouldn't think about it, but I'm saying, what do we mean by use me, Lord? I'm not saying these things to embarrass you, embarrass myself, but because I did the same thing very recently and so many times in the past, he asked me, are you even available for me? That's the question that I got this week. When I was so unsure, when I was saying, oh, I don't know about that, God. I'm not ready. I'm not comfortable with that. And God was saying, are you even available for me? And I always thought availability was about time. Do I have time? But God said something different. It's also about your heart and your will. When you say, I'm available, you mean I'm physically can be there. I can physically be there. I'm available at that time. And my heart is willing as well. That's availability. When we say, oh yeah, I'm available for the date, that means you have time and then you're willing to meet the guy, right? That's availability. If you don't have the heart, if you don't have the heart, you're not available for that. And I want to ask all of us right now, 
are we available for God? Really? Not only time-wise, but heart-wise, will-wise. He's not looking for ability, guys. He has them all. He's looking for availability. He's not looking for readiness. He's looking at willingness. And he's not looking for a golden vessel. He has gold. He's looking for a clay vessel that is just available for him. And some of you already know my testimony uh, about how I became an intern pastor in 2008. And just to keep it, keep it short, something similar happened to me. When I, so I was praying for three things. Uh, I wanted to ministry, so I wanted to stay in New Philly. And another thing was I needed housing. And I was just a lay leader, whatever. Just not even like a core leader. I was just one of the New Philly people. But I wanted to ministry and got called. I, I, I sensed the calling. So, but my, my home is Busan, so I needed housing and seminary education. That's one thing that I needed, but I didn't have money. And I really didn't want to leave New Philly. So those three things, I prayed for it more than a year. Yeah, very consistently. And I prayed really hard. But then when Pastor Christian, one Sunday, like randomly, he came, up on the, uh, he came on the stage and he said, we're going to provide housing, we're going to provide seminary education, we're going to train you at New Philly as an intern pastor. I knew that that was for me. Yeah, I just knew it. It's for me, God's calling me. But then Pastor Christian said something interesting. And he said, I mentioned it earlier, I, before my last sermons, whatever, but he said, if you have to pray about it for two weeks, forget it. Something like that. Don't apply. We're not going to accept you. Something similar. <laughs> That's true, right? Marcus remembers. If you know that, if you know that it's you, apply today. Today's the deadline. He announced it for the first time on that Sunday. Right. Oh, no. Marcus, you're my, my yeah, test fine. Okay. <laughs> and then when I heard it, oh, snap. I was kind of scared, but I knew that it was God calling me. So what I applied, and I became an intern pastor. Right? <laughs> now, thinking about it, I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Pastor Christian, for making it like that. I'm being serious. I'm not sarcastic. Like, I think I would have been so scared. So scared. I don't think I could have been able to apply if I had like one week to think about it. Thinking about my English, thinking about my abilities, my public speaking skill, my people skill, all the hurts that I have. Oh my goodness, I'm glad that you didn't give me any time to think. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> Honestly, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready, but I was willing, you know. But then ability, ability wasn't there. I wasn't, yeah, I had nothing, but availability was there. And God saw that, and it was good enough for him to use me, right? So let's be available for God. And another thing that I want to point out, Jesus said, after follow me, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He will make it happen. Amen. When he calls you for something, he got you. You know, we sometimes think about how, how am I going to be 
that crazy anointed worship leader. How? It's just, it seems so far away, and then you get just all overwhelmed. But he's determined to make you that person. He's so determined. And it's his business, not yours. It's his business. He will make it happen. It's going to happen. And he will make you what you are called to be. He will make you anointed praise leader. Somebody say amen. Wow. He will make you great mom and dad. Somebody say amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, good. He will make you a conqueror of seven mountains. Yeah. He will make you. That's what he's saying. I will make you fishers of men. And when, I, when we say, use me, let's remember that again. I'm available for you, so use me, God. I do not pick and choose. You do. You do not adjust to my plan. I will adjust to you. How can, we, how can he not use us when we say that? I'm available. My heart is willing. My, my time's empty. <laughs> Whatever. God, use me. How can he not use us? I don't know how much time I have, but um, I want to quickly share my testimony from Nepal trip. This is something that I didn't plan, but I was just reminded of my second mission trip to Nepal. It was 2007, Erin Samo. It was Nepal and Cambodia. Erin Samo was with me. Tahe was with me. Danny was with me, whatever. That trip, my resolution for the trip was this. I specifically remember. It was my second trip, and I said to God, God, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. Like, no matter what, if you ask me to preach up there, I will do it. Like, no matter what, I will do it. That was my attitude. And Scott just listened to me. Like, it was really amazing. And whatever the leader tells me to do, I will do it. Like, that was my attitude. And then, yeah, leader, yeah, <laughs> she, made me th- she made me do things that I didn't expect. So I got to share my testimony for the first time. I guess it was like my first experience um, in ministry setting, like public speaking wise. It was my first experience and God used it powerfully. And second time in Nepal again, I shared my testimony and it was powerful again. And God just knew that he, he was pleased with my availability. And I just feel like that's the attitude that God is looking for. Like No matter what you say, I will do it. I will do it, Lord. I will do it. Ask me, I will do it. And church, I feel like bigger things are coming. New field is not going to stay at this level. Let me tell you, changes are coming. Things are going to change. It's not going to be the same. The leaders, Itaewon teams are going to leave. Leadership's going to change. New changes are coming. Somebody's going to rise up. But is God looking for ability? No. He's looking for availability. Are you really available? Are you available? And then another thing. Now let's see what happens to these fishers. God gave them promise. I will make you fishers of men. And let's see how Jesus did his work in them. And I will read some of the things that happened to Peter. Because Peter was the the main one, right? So I'm going to read you some stuff about Peter. After this incident, after he became a disciple of Jesus, what's going to happen to Peter? Let's see. Matthew 14, 29 to 31. I'll read it for you. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. 
walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Peter had doubts in him. Jesus' disciple, he had doubts in him. Lack of faith. Yeah, it happened to him. And Mark 8, 32 to 33. He spoke plainly about this, Jesus. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I'm sure Peter cried. He said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Peter had things of man in his heart. Seems like nothing has changed. In John 13, 5 to 9, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Hmm. <laughs> Peter, very interesting. No comment needed. John 18, 9 to 11. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. He has some yeah, crazy temper. The servant's name was Marcus, Malchus, Malchus. <laughs> Jesus commanded Peter. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. <laughs> Focus, focus. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Peter had some temper. Yeah, he cut the ear off. Can you imagine that? Wow. John 18. You are not one of his disciples, aren't you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, you are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it. And at the moment, a rooster began to crawl. Three times, Peter denied Jesus. I do not know him. The very close disciple to Jesus. The very person who did ministry with Jesus for three years. Jesus' own disciple denied him three times. With a short amount of time. This is Peter. Jesus' own disciple for three years. I honestly don't really see any hope in this person. He's almost annoying. <laughs> I'm sorry, Peter, <laughs> if you're listening in heaven. But I was almost annoyed. What? Who? who? What is he? You no. Know? But Jesus, knowing everything about him, 
knowing how sanguine, how much temper he has, knowing everything about Peter, gave him another crazy promise. Jesus said, Matthew 16, 16 to 9, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by men, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Isn't this crazy promise? And I was reading it, and I thought, Jesus, are you serious? Don't you know Peter? Don't you know how he is? Everything, but everything about him, everything about Peter began to change in Acts chapter 2, at the day of Pentecost. When Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of God fell on them on the day, came came like rushing wind, came like tongues of fire, fell upon people. And then Peter stood up, the same Peter stood up. He began to preach to the people the salvation of Jesus and repentance through Holy Spirit. He was bold. He was a different man. He wasn't the same Peter. And the Bible says, verse 37, it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostle, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, us. For all who the Lord our God will call. The promise. And then verse 41, it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 men. They don't count women and children. How many would it be? Like more than 10,000, I guess. Right? What happened to Peter then? Wow. What happened to him? What happened to him? It is the power of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4, 6, it says, Not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit. But by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit alone. That's what God is saying. When God says that He will do it, what it means by that is He will pour out His Spirit on us. and He will do it through Holy Spirit. As Peter said, that's the promise God. He said it's the promise of God. Holy Spirit is promised to us. It shall come upon us. It shall fill us. It shall control us. At the day of Pentecost, it was more like arrival of the Holy Spirit. He arrived that day. And then he filled the people. But when we say spirit-filled life, spirit-filled life, when we say that, it's a little different, I think. That feeling, empowering of the Holy Spirit, that's very needed. The baptism of spirit, we need it. But then when we say spirit-filled life, what does that mean? Holy Spirit is a person. Do you, guys, do you guys know that? He's a person, right? Holy Spirit is a person. And being filled with the person, what does that mean? I believe that means we should let him have full control over us. Because we are so filled with him. Let him control every single area of life. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. 
And I believe Peter, his life was totally transformed because his life was filled with Holy Spirit. Amen? And what we need is that, I believe. With human cleverness, our efforts, all important. But what we need is the feeling of the Holy Spirit. Peter was a fisher. But then God really made him the fisher of man when Holy Spirit came. And then God truly built a church upon the rock. That promise was also fulfilled. Did you guys notice that? When Peter preached, church is not a building. Church is the believers, the congregation who gather to worship Jesus, who believe in Jesus. And the church was built on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached. And three men, more than 10,000 men were added, and they gathered to worship Jesus. That means the church was built upon the rock, upon his sermon. That day was the birth of the Christian church. Do you guys get that? Jesus fulfilled what he said. Fisher of men, I will build my church on the rock. Those are both fulfilled that day. What day? When Holy Spirit arrived. When Holy Spirit came, those words are fulfilled. And brothers and sisters, what we need is more of Holy Spirit. That's what I believe right now. We need something from heaven. We need something from God. We need something divine. We need something bigger than us. We need something powerful. Something from heaven. Like We cannot do our ministry. We cannot go on with our own power. It's just simply impossible. We're going to just end up being like Peter before he met Holy Spirit. It's going to be frustration after frustration and little fruit, very little fruit, But once Holy Spirit arrives, everything changes. Everything changes. And right now, I just want to ask you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. Can somebody get the light? Today, my question is very simple. And I'm in the same position with you guys. I'm just super challenged. And I'm just so broken before God. I want to move forward. I want to grow. I want to be a stronger leader. But my flesh, has, flesh it's not following me. I want to preach better. I want to be more anointed. I want to change. I want my character to be changed. I want to be transformed. But without Holy Spirit, I know that it's not going to happen. My first question is this. Are you available? Are you available for God? God? 